Spartans, Joe DeSena here, founder of Spartan for Spartan Up Podcast. Good news. Sephra, part of our Spartan Up Podcast team, interviewed Michael Wardian. Who the hell is he? Go back in the archives. You will see I interviewed him years ago when we did the very off-brand Spartan cruise that just repulsed me because I saw so many people. Well, anyway, we'll get into that another time. Anyway, go back in the archives. Look at that interview. It'll blow you away. This guy is an animal. A lot of people are talking about what we're going through is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Actually, it's an ultra marathon being locked in your cages, right? This guy's the king. He just ran 262 miles over 63 hours to set the backyard containment ultra world record. This guy eats up pain and suffering. Anyway, stay tuned. Check out the old interview. Check out this interview. You are going to build some grit and resilience just hanging out with him. Michael Wardian. Welcome to Spartan Up the Podcast. We are with ultra running legend Mike Wardian, who um, I actually had the distinct pleasure of meeting you at 3 a.m. on a treadmill on a cruise ship. <laughs> Tell us what was happening that night. Let's start out there for those. Yeah. Um, it's the Spartan Cruise. Yeah, it was the Spartan Cruise a couple of years ago. Right. And I have an affinity for running on treadmills. I, yeah. And I thought, wow, it'd be a cool opportunity to kind of um go for a world record um for 50 kilometers so about 31 miles for um, people that aren't really familiar with the metric system <laughs> uh so it's a little bit longer Marathon. than a marathon by about five miles right. um and i thought wow that that could be kind of a cool thing to do on a saturday night on a cruise ship yep. and uh turned out like i did the entire race uh, or event and got to the end and I thought I had set a world record and Mike yes sir you are how many minutes in here you've got about what 20 minutes left to break the world record 50k on a treadmill yes sir what, what do you have to say to the people watching here is it is it easy no but it's what, awesome what got you to this point like like is it just perseverance is it stubbornness is it um some I gotta kind of... say it's the Spartan spirit on the ship man it's the Spartan spirit on the ship uh, I send something out on social media saying like, hey, I ran, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, like three hours and six minutes or something. Straight, nonstop. Yeah, nonstop, yeah. three yeah. hours, six minutes. Uh, it was a great cadence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the ship was pretty steady. Um, and then, like, t I went to bed for a couple hours. I woke up and there was somebody in, I think in London, that was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But my friend ran about, like, 50 seconds faster. And I was like, so that's when Joe's like, oh, I will do, we'll do it again. Yeah, right? well, I, I said, yeah, like, yo, you said he, he, yeah, I was like, hey, we should do it again and uh, before we get to port. And totally so, normal. like, I got a tweet last night from Centurion Running saying, like, man, you did great. Nice effort. Uh, one of our boys ran 3.05.24 or something. So, what, you missed it by a minute? We landed at 8, so let's wake up, like, 3 or 4 a.m. and just yeah. get it done. Let's do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're going to do it. We got to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now I feel like a complete, like, phony. Yeah. So I ran, um, I think it was around 12 or 14 hours later, I ran another 50K. So um, I think that's when I came in and saw you <laughs> three in the morning. <laughs> See? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, That's what we call a party. You know, like a late night party with Spartan is like 3 a.m. in an exercise <laughs> room somewhere. <laughs> That's really what the late night type scene is. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's um, yeah, it was, it was really a, a fun a fun way to spend a weekend and, and really get a good introduction to what Spartan's all about. I mean, it's really about, you know, perseverance, dedication. Um, if you don't make it the first time, yeah. you know, get figure, back on that horse. Yeah. Figure out how to make it the next time. And if you don't, you keep trying until you do. Well, it's really great. I mean, Spartan has their new trail series, but, um, certainly from just being in this world and the capacity that I have, I understand that the ultra running world is, a pretty massive but also like very close-knit organic community as it seems and I know you're um for those of you who aren't familiar with the ultra running world Mike is pretty big legend in that world so um I'd love for you to talk about yeah some of your accomplishments and where you yeah. started out and what, what's been going on for your yeah, journey I mean, it's it's been crazy like I never uh expected to be a runner like I grew up playing a sport called lacrosse, picked up running kind of just to stay fit. Um, wanted to do the Boston Marathon, uh, did that uh, after qualifying, which I didn't know at the time was such a big deal. Um, and then s- decided I was going to do all the big uh, U.S. marathons. So Chicago, New York, Marine Corps again. And each one I kept getting a little bit faster. And then I went to this seminar um at a local running store with a guy named Scotty Mills, who's another prominent figure in the ultra running community. And he told me that there was a race where people ran 50 miles. And I just, I just didn't even believe like it was possible. I was like, that's just not true. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, it, ha- it it's true. And I was like, no, it's not true. And <laughs> that's because when I first met Joe, we had the peak races. There's a 500 miler. Yeah. And that kind of just like parlays you into this new understanding of baseline. Yeah. All right. So you go, you hear about the 50 miler. Yeah. I hear happens. about this race called the JFK 50 miler. Um, Where's that? It's in Hagerstown. It's the oldest 50 miler in the country. And I decided I was going to do it. And oh, I figured Kennedy's name. Yeah. Well, it was actually a challenge from uh, President Kennedy to people to, you know, do more. And, and how could they? President. Yeah. There so it's pretty cool. Like, right. um, and so these guys put this race on to kind of say like, wow, you know, can you actually run 50 miles? Or they thought people would probably hike it, but then people started running it and then they ran it pretty fast. Um, and I figured based on my marathon times, if you just take my time and double it, like I should totally win the race. Yeah, it totally works. Yeah. yeah and so this much. was in 1997. Um, so quite a while ago. And, uh, that's not how it works. You don't just take your marathon time and double it. And then all of a sudden, uh, win the race. Like I got my ass kicked by like everybody basically. Like i I finished and, and, and I was like, oh, it's going to be a while till I do that again. Um, did that motivate you or did that deter you from the running world? No, I mean, it motivated me to like that, that I could do it. But it was like one of those things where it's like, dude, you're, you, you like overthought what you were capable of. Um, but what's been so cool is just to like have that exposure to ultra. And then from there I did some iron or I did an Ironman cause that was like the next thing on my bucket list. And I was like, I'm going to keep doing these things. And then I found a race called, um, there's a race called Marathon de Saab, which is a right. pretty badass race where you carry all your stuff for a week in the desert. Um, a good friend of the Spartan community, Amy Winters. Yeah, she just yes. finished it. Yeah, yeah. The first woman with a prosthetic to 
Oh yeah, Sir yes. Ray Pines. Yeah, and they've both been on the podcast. So yeah, that sounds like and he it's kind of like Burning Man of the Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like self-supported. Yes, <laughs> through the desert. Self-supported. Yeah, tell us more about it. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, so Marathon de Sab's a seven-day, six-running stage uh, ultra marathon that's um, 250 kilometers. Um, so around 150 miles or so. And how hot is it? Uh, it gets between, most days it's between 90 and to 120 degrees or so. So you're out in the Sahara Desert, you're running over sand dunes. Um, Where do you get more water? So you you get issued nine liters of water a day, and that's the only thing provided for you each Got day. So it. everything else you have to bring. So your food, your clothing, your sleeping, um, they provide tents. Um, Got it. So So basically, yeah, you're carrying like a... If you're really, really uh, dialed in, you're. I think you can have a six kilo bag. Yeah. Um, Is that like Vision it, Quest? Like you're seeing mirages. <laughs> you are seeing a little bit of stuff for sure. Yeah, <laughs> especially if you're going. If you are, if you're trying to be super competitive, you're basically at. You have to have two thousand calories for each day. Right. But you're burning, you know, upwards of six or seven thousand. So you're always in like calorie deficit, and so yeah, it gets pretty pretty um intense so how'd it go for you so you're there so yeah so my first time was in 2000 and i finished 25th overall and first american and that's when i was like wow i have some talent at this like how many people do the race uh about a thousand oh wow yeah <laughs> well done yeah it was yeah, okay. it was really a, a kind of a turning point for me like wow I, if i really focused on this i could be kind of good at it and then uh, from there, I went to India and ran a race called the Himalayan 100-mile stage race and won that. And then I decided to try to really focus on some road marathons. So I brought my marathon time down from around 2.30 to 2.17.49. So that's... Can you translate that into miles? So that's going from around five 5.40 pace per mile to like 5.16 per mile pace, which qualified me for the Olympic trials. So I've, I'm a three-time Olympic trials qualifier, uh, eight-time uh, 100K um, Team USA member with a 2011 silver medal in the 100K World Championships, two times bronze medalist in the 50K World Championships. Um, and then I've, run, I've done, one of the things recently that people have found really interesting about me is i've done yeah i love that one yeah so in 2007 yeah triple seven so in 2017 i did Oh, you did it in 2017 so another seven yeah so i did it twice actually so i did uh, like in my i joke with my wife about this it's like how many times do you do like a once in a lifetime thing twice like (laughs) if if anyone's not familiar with it it's called the world marathon challenge and it's it's this thing that just blew my mind when i heard about it which that's a funny story in itself because I heard about it while I was doing a race in the North Pole. So I, w- I just won the North Pole <laughs> Marathon in 2014. And my friend, this guy, Richard Donovan, said, I have this idea to do seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. And I was just like, kind awesome. of, I, well, I was kind of like the same thing as like the 50 miler. I was like, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, dude, you can do it. And I was like, no, it's not possible. Like, how do you get from one continent to the other continent and then run and then get back on the plane and then make it to the next continent? He's like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, OK, I want to do it. <laughs> what, what is um, what is the route that you take? Which countries do you go? So where do you? So it it's changes each year. But what uh, 
the the route that I did it in 2017, um, we did every time uh, this guy Richard Donovan that puts it on. It's called the World Marathon Challenge, and it always starts in Antarctica because that's the one that's most weather dependent. So you wouldn't want to come there on the last day or like third day and then they have like really bad conditions and you can't get the plane in and then right. the time runs out, right? So you always start in Antarctica. And what's crazy about it is you, uh, you start running and it's like a 10K loop and they send a plane as the race starts. And so the plane takes like five and a half hours to get there from the first time we did it was from Punta Arenas, and the second time I did it this year in 2019, it was from Cape Town, but it's still about the same transit to Antarctica. And as you're running, they can stop the race at any time if there's bad weather, and then you just start again the next day or the next weather window. So you're going around running like 10K, like, can I keep going? Okay, cool. And then you just keep going and you keep running until you finish. Um, what an amazing world to be a part of. Yeah, it's it's insane. So. The first, in 2017, the route was uh, Antarctica, Punta Arenas, uh, and then we went to Madrid, Marrakesh. Um, from there, we went to Dubai, uh, and then we finished in Sydney, Australia. How many other people are with you? So the first time I did it in 2017, there were around 30 people, and in 2019 when I did it, uh, there were 55 people. All right, so let's go take a break real quick. We'll go run to like three continents, maybe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll come back to you, Jen. Sounds good. Right. Hey, Spartans, Johnny Wade here. I want to tell you about something incredible that the Spartan Up podcast team has put together during this extraordinary time the whole world is going through together but apart. Every day at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we're taking over the Spartan Zoom channel for an hour of extraordinary content, bringing you past guests from our podcast and other amazing people who've drawn in our community over the years from healthcare, from fitness, from sports, from entertainment, from business. And what they're doing is giving you very good sound advice and encouragement that's going to help us come through this time healthy, happy, and more importantly, ready to take on the world when it opens up for business again. So if you want to join us, and you do, Every day from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, go to wherever you get your information about Spartan Up, Instagram, Twitter, you'll get the Zoom meeting ID. Come join us. It's direct interaction with incredible experts from all over the world. You don't want to miss it. We're going to be here as long as this goes on, which hopefully isn't too much longer, but as long as it does, be with us. You certainly accomplished a lot, and I know from reading your bio, that's just a mere fraction of them. I mean, like fastest Leadville time, yeah. fastest, I mean, all these classic races, just awesome. But like, thank you. Um, maybe you can share with us what one of your hardest races was, right? And what, what that challenge looks like for you. Yeah. I mean, I think speaking of that, I mean, we all have things that come up and, um, that's the cool thing about racing is like, you could be as fit as you ever were. And, you know, you could have something happen and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in a, a matter of like, how am I ever going to finish this? Like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. I, it's funny. I, I was telling you, I had one, um, at Marathon de Saab also, uh, in 2009, I finished sixth overall and I really wanted to like be the first, um, non, um, non-Moroccan or Jordanian to be on the podium and so in 2010 I came back and was like really focused and like dedicated and I like kind of dialed my training to be um like as fit as I'd ever been and like really really 
like what does that look like that training for you um it was actually a lot of marathons that i did i ran a lot of marathons and then i did a lot of marathons um with a pack on so like like getting used to what the weight's gonna feel like and then also like not uh making the marathons hard so like not taking water so i was like dehydrated or like staying up until like two o'clock in the morning the night before a you know a 5 a.m wake up so that like you're not fresh going into the race but still trying to like race at at the front and and win and um what kind of nutrition so I would actually like m- like barely do any nutrition at all, just so I would get bonky. Stress also, in your body. yeah. yeah. So it. like, uh, and then I actually wore like a singlet without any protection on my shoulders, so that I would get chafed and like all this like just you know kind the masochist of, marathon. Yeah, <laughs> and people are just like, "What are you doing?" And I'm just like, "It's gonna pay off." And so like, I was uh I was I was super ready. I I went and I was running with the front runners. Um, and I'm, I'm in the lead through like, it's, um, again, the marathon to sob seven days, six days of running. Um, and I'd gone through, it's basically you do a shorter stage, which is like 18 to 20 miles, kind of a medium stage, which is like 20 to 24 miles, but maybe he's got some dunes in it. You got another kind of similar, like 20 to 25 mile day. And then you have a, what's called the long day, which is like anywhere from 50 miles to like 100 k or 62 miles is it flat out there or no. what, so what no. are the dunes what's it like running in sand like hot uh, sand it's hot and slow um any animal life insects snakes yeah scorpions? insects snakes lots of scorpions uh they become and, your spirit animals <laughs> <laughs> there's uh there is i guess some of that but what uh happened was um there was a bug going around the camp and when there's like a thousand people and you're kind of all in the same small area, like if somebody gets, yeah. And you're in a tent with like eight other people and it's, you know, everybody's all up in each other's stuff. It's like, um, it's very easy to pick up something. And I did, uh, right, right in the middle of the long day. And so like, I'm really sick to my stomach and I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm never going to be able to finish. Like I'm just up the whole night, just going to the bathroom and like, getting more and more dehydrated um and and I'm just thinking like there's no way I'm gonna make this and I go to my friend Jay who's like the Jay Batchin who's the coordinator for the U.S. team and I'm like dude do you have any like Cipro or anything which um like is something that you can take antibiotic yeah but it's like napalm for your stomach and like the one drawback of that is that it makes your tendons weak and I've been having like some Achilles like tightness And so it's like, yeah, so it's like, do you take this and be able to run the race Mm. or risk like blowing out your Achilles? And so you're like trying to do this calculus in your head. And so then I take it because I'm like, well, this is my one chance. Like I might never be in this position again to be on the podium and, you know, have a chance to represent the U.S. and, and, you know, this is this is my time. Uh, Cipro for America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I I take the drugs. I'm. I'm ready to go. But the problem is it's got a, like a short shelf life, like the half life on it's like four, four and a half hours. And we didn't have any more and I didn't have any to take with me. So like the race director is like famous for like giving these long like speeches before the event. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, my stomach's like just in like all kind of just still like feeling like junk. And he's like talking and talking. I'm like, just please start the race. I only have four hours. It's going to, it's going to take like, 
three hours and 30 minutes. Like every minute you talk is one last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so anyhow, so I like start the race and I finish with like, uh, and then of course, like I, I make it and, you know, after the, that day, the marathon day, it's like basically like a ceremonial, like you just kind of, everybody like high fives everyone. And it's kind of like the tour de France on the last day. Like once the ranks are established, no one really tries right. to, to beat anyone. And so I, you know, end up on the podium and how'd for me, fi- how'd you finish? I did great, man. It was like perfect. I ended up third, um, nice. the first time any like North American had been on the podium. And, um, wow. how me- long has that race been running? <sighs> it's really it's really old i feel like it's like 1986 or something oh, yeah okay. yeah so it's it's mostly uh, it's a, a lot of french people do it and yeah. then uh people from all around the world now but the u.s contingent is usually around 40 or 50 people mm-hmm. um and i feel like it's it's grown over the years now it's probably around 1500 people and it's part of the ultra trail world tour at this point and um yeah i mean for me it's like one of those life-altering experiences it's like if when you come out the other side of that, you're not the same person you were when you went in. And those are always special. So you come back to the real world, right? We come out of the marathon mode and life reentry is pretty easy back to, you know, your work life. Yeah. So, uh, in case people don't know, I'm like a international ship broker. So I would deal in us, us and foreign flag ocean going vessels carrying humanitarian food aid. So, um, so it's a pretty dynamic fluid business, um, and I get back after being in the desert for like 13 or 14 days and, and I'm like, okay, sweet. You know, I'll do a couple emails and, um, and, you know, talk to some people, you know, just kind of like you do. And, um, I get a couple calls from some of my friends. They're like, Hey man, your ship got hijacked. And I'm like, come on, dude, you're just messing with me because I've been gone for a week or two. You know, it's, that's not very funny. Like it's 2011 or 2012, like like actually i think it was 2010 yeah exactly but it was it was actually close to april oh, really? yeah so like, i was like come on dude it's not funny and then he was like no turn on cnn so i turned on cnn and there's a ship called the Mersk, alabama that they made a movie about um with tom hanks called captain phillips and that ship was carrying the humanitarian food aid cargo that i had booked for somalia actually so they actually the somali pirates hijacked a ship carrying food aid to somalia um which so was maybe unfortunate. it got to where it was going after all it it, it definitely got to somalia but um <laughs> yeah unfortunately it wasn't the way that we wanted it to get there um but yeah so that was that was one of those things where you're like okay you know, put on my work hat you know turn around backwards and roll your sleeves up and figure out what you need to do and so it seems like in business and in your athletics, right? It's kind of that same parable of being able to overcome obstacles and like yeah. deal with discomfort and figure it out. The cool thing about doing these kind of events that we do, especially like events that kind of stress you in, in ways that you're uncomfortable is like after you've gone through that experience, you can apply that to so many other things. And that's what I think is so cool about um, the Spartan stuff. like. I'm not terribly awesome at it, but like, I really enjoy like not being awesome at something. And like each time you do it, you have a chance to like be a little bit better and a little bit better. And I feel like that's in life. Like all of us never, we don't come out like shaped as who we are. We like grow through these, um, events that we have over the course of our life. And so like, um, there's always something positive that you can get from almost any experience, like as terrible as like, that was it was like 
I know a lot about security now and like totally. how, yeah, and, and there's principles of that that can apply to other things. And I think using it, like that ability to be able to like stay up and, and persevere and overcome is something like that I use in my, my running and training. But I also use that like this morning I was, you know, up at like four o'clock this morning because I'm working on East Coast time so that I could get offers in before I came to do all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, fine. I just have, it, yeah. yeah, it's like, fine. I need to do it. I'm going to do it. And so like <laughs> yeah. you find a way. You do find a way. I mean, 7.30 a.m. here in Spartans, like midday. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So I think, I think those are three great takeaways, honestly. Like get comfortable being uncomfortable. Always keep growing and um, learn lessons from adversity, right? Right. And, and be able to, I think one of the cool things is be able to take um, aspects of one part of your life and be able to apply it to another part of your life. And I, I think that that's something that all of us can do. And it's really a useful skill. Totally. Don't silo your experiences, right? Just right. Just let it permeate. It's like groundwater. Sink it, flow it, <laughs> spread it. It's like let it let it go throughout your body. Well, um, we're honored to have you on here. Thank you the very much. The trails love you. Can't wait Thank to you. see what you do next. Oh, I heard um, there's something that you want to do coming up that you mentioned to me, right? What's uh, what, what's next? Yeah, I mean, I think like um, as I evolve as an athlete, like there's more and more challenges that I want to undertake. Like this year, we were talking, I did the seven marathons and seven days on seven continents and to like kind of make that a little bit more special since I'd already done that once, I added three marathons at the end to set like a 10 day world Cherry record. On top. Yeah, and it was something like, oh man, <laughs> I thought that would be so cool. And then I took those 10 marathons in 10 days and I did a really cool project where I ran across Israel. So I ran the Israeli National Trail, which is a thousand kilometers, like 600 and I don't know, 30 miles okay. or um, across Israel, like seeing the community, like the trail running community there, which was really impactful, but also just the landscape and the dynamic and all the history that's involved with that country. I think like running those ancient trails, right? There's a, a lot of these old trackers from in, indigenous different societies around the world say, once you've run and walked on land, for the people that know how to track and can tell, your energy and those tracks are forever there. So it's like really kind of like a, a really special, sacred almost pilgrimage you know running through these special places so i think that's that's beautiful running across israel was life-changing for me in so many ways it was like a complete evolution of me as an athlete like it tested me uh in ways that i didn't know that i i went to depths that i didn't think were possible and and came and had you know the other side of that it's too a theme you just keep evolving and keep yeah pushing. Like, one of my next things like in 2020 one of my big projects is I want to run across the U.S. and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what route to do and like, you know, how I want to make that happen, you know, with support and um, that kind of stuff. And like, so how does all that tie trying together? Trying to do it in the fastest time or trying like, are you trying to go for um, a record or you just want to do it? I think the it? fastest time is pretty stout. It's my friend Pete Kospelich and he averaged like 70 miles a day, which is about when I ran across Israel, I was averaging around 60 miles a day. And so like, I just know what that looks like. And that was only for 10 days and he did it 42 days. But like, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, if there's a record out there, then, you know, why not try for that? And if you end up short, then you know what you need to do next time. And so like, um, yeah, I think that it would be interesting to see, you know, just how, how close I could get to that if I could. And then, you know, kind of like, the um, the 
the thing for me is like, I'd like to try to do it under 50 days. I feel like even if you, you know, weren't 42 days, yeah. but we're before 50 days, that's Seems still pretty badass. Like pony express by foot. Well, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on what you're up to and like, uh, let's make America run again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I told you, Michael is amazing. He really, um, you know, grit and resilience just oozes out of this guy and you, and you hear it. I've been around him, I told you, if you go back in the archives and you check out that old interview I did with him when we had the Spartan Cruise, it's, a, it's an unbelievable story, but he's running on the treadmill, he wants to set the 50K world record, turns out he misses it by a minute. Six hours later, we see each other on, on the ship and, I, and he goes, oh my God, I'm distraught. I, I, it turns out I missed it by a minute. I said, you know what you gotta do, right? He said, what? I said, you gotta do it again right now. He suits up, gets on the treadmill, and wins the record. So here's a guy that's got these, these attributes we talk so much about during the containment, the grit, the resilience, the tenacity. And you know, if you don't think you need those attributes, I think you, you need to think again, right? Well, take a look at these nurses and these doctors and these frontline workers, the uniform services. My sister-in-law is an emergency doctor. She's in there battling it out every day. Then she's got to come home. She's got to go into the garage, completely take all her stuff out, wash down, make sure she doesn't bring anything into the house where she's got four children, right? The frontline workers have it worse. They are taking bullets for us. So, so you know, for the last 20 years, as we're building Spartan and we're telling everybody, you got to build grit. You got to build resistance. You got to change your frame of reference. You got to be, you got to have tenacity. And everybody's saying, for what? I don't understand, Joe, you're crazy. Why would we crawl under barbed wire? Why would we purposely go do hard things? Why would we carry sandbags? This is why, because shit happens. So guys like Michael, I mean, tell me the truth. Guys like Michael, these are people you wanna be around. These are people you want in your foxhole when shit happens. So the point is, and the good news is, you can develop these attributes. We all have them deep inside. They're part of our tool set as human beings but we gotta bring them out. We gotta bubble them up to the surface. We have it too easy. We're learning helplessness. That's why we bring you this podcast each and every week, sometimes every day. So make sure you subscribe. If you don't subscribe, we can't help you. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you tune in um, because, because if we can give you a little nudge, we can give you a little taste through a video or through an audio that maybe gets you waking up early, maybe gets you doing some burpees. Who knows? You might not beat Michael Wardian, but if you go out and you do something hard today. The military says you got to do something hard every day. Spartan says you got to do something hard every day. Well, you're not only going to change your life, you're not only going to make me smile, but you're going to start to change lives around you. So subscribe, comment, tell me the hard things you're doing. Comment below, tell me the hard things you're doing. I'll see you next episode.